First Chronicles chapter 12 tonight. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse number 32. And the children of Iskar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do, the heads of them were 200, and all their children were at their command commandment. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We just ask you to touch hearts and lift us up and encourage us tonight, Lord. Lord, Lord we ask for your protected hand tonight, Lord, uh, for all churches, Lord, that's holding services, Lord, we ask for your protected hand upon them. Uh, and Father, we just ask you to give us liberty and give us peace. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Uh, looking at this one verse here, there are two things I want you to notice about it. They had an understanding of the times. Uh, and because they had an understanding of the times, uh, they were able to know what to do because they had an understanding of time. Things that were going on around, things that was going through, they knew what to do, they knew where to go, and they knew how they should do it because they had an understanding of time. In this chapter, you have a list of what we're called the mighty men of David. David is the king, and he is a warrior, and he's a good warrior. But no man is an island by himself. He has, a, to, to, he has these other people in his life that to assist him, to help him. And David is the mighty uh, king. David has the mighty warriors with him. God surrounded him with people that he needed in his life to accomplish the task that God has set before him. Here in chapter 12, he talks about the different bodies of men that he has. Looking at these bodies of men, each group of certain group of men had certain jobs that they were good at. There were some that had uh, certain gifts and they had abilities that nobody else had uh, to accompany David. And they were, uh, this brought balance in David's life and the nation of Israel. Some were good with the, the sword, some were good with the spear, uh, some were uh, good with the uh, uh, weapons, uh, some was good at battle and in the array of the battle, and uh, it was said that some was experts at war. And they had gifts and they had certain abilities to accompany them. And each one had something to contribute to the kingdom of God, and each one had something to contribute their talent, their gifts, and their abilities in order for God to do what God had to do in David's life. It, it's like the local church. God just don't put one inside the church. Uh, God has a, a lot of people that has talent in the church, uh, uh, areas of operation, the church operation, the video, the sound, all these things. God has placed people to know in the church that has this ability. And God has placed people in the church to know how to teach. Uh, and God has placed people in the church to have the ability to sing. Uh, and, and what we do, we all bring our talents together and we all come together. We glorify God and worship God. With each talent, no one is an island alone. No one can stand by themselves. But God has said everyone in the church contributes to the action of the church. The Bible talks about Gideon in the Bible. And they, and every, they, and they stood every man in his place around about the camp. The teachers are teaching, the preachers are preaching, the prayers are praying, the, the singers are singing, and, and the uh, shouters are shouting, and, and we all have something uh, to contribute to the worship of God in God's house. Everybody has something to bring to the table tonight. In verse 32, the ability of the children of Iskar were to have wisdom. Wisdom. 
knowledge, to give instructions. They knew the times, and because they knew the times, they knew what they had to do, and they were able to give advice to David. Here's what we need to do. And God gave sense enough to listen to these men who understood the times and to know what they ought to do. They knew who the enemy were. They knew what the enemy was like. They understand the ability of the enemy. They knew the tactics of the enemy. They had an understanding of the time. We know that it hasn't dawned on a lot of people today that they don't know who the enemy is in the church. And some don't even know that they have an enemy. But can I say that we all have an enemy? It's not the preachers, not the singers, not the teachers, not the church, but we all have an enemy. And we need some understanding of the times. Uh, that, that verse right here, verse 32, is one that we ought to be praying for our nation and our leaders of this nation that God would give them understanding of times and what we're facing and what we're going through that they give the, the wisdom and surround themselves with people that has the knowledge and the ability to help us in the time of need. One thing in the military, you're taught in warfare. You're taught how to recognize the enemy, the tactics of the enemy, what the enemy uses, and all these things we're taught that we're able to recognize without a doubt in our minds that who the enemy is. And let me say that we have an enemy that's walking about seeking to destroy and devour every one of us tonight. We have an enemy tonight and we need some people tonight that has understanding. I thank God for giving me people in my life that has wisdom and understanding that helps me and guided me through my journey and through my walk with the Christian life. I thank God for the people in this church here that stood beside us and said, hey, I'm with you. They stood in their place. Let me say, every one of us need to be in our place tonight. Amen. Like I said, we need to pray this verse for our leaders in our country that they get an understanding. They get on their knees and, and seek God and find God in the time that we're living in. We're living in perilous times. We're living in dangerous times. We're living in sinful times. Wicked times, uncertain times. But can I remind you, God has already been here. He's already been there. And he's able to give you and I an understanding of the times tonight. And we understand we're living in the last days. Perilous times, sinful times, uncertain times. And because we have an understanding of that, the government might, government might not know what's going to do or how they're going to do it. Our state may not know what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. But we know that the Word of God says and tells us what we need to do. We need some more people with an understanding of the times that we're living in today. So he said, in the, uh, of all the children of Iskar, which were men that had an understanding of times. And then I liked this one. 
They had an understanding of times to know what Israel ought to do. So if we've asked God to give us an understanding of the times and what we're going through, then we need to certainly ask God, teach us what we ought to do. We ought to know what to do. We ought to understand what we need to do as Christians today. We've got the word of God and he tells us. We're living in sinful time, uncertain times. I, I heard people all the time, what do we do? What do we do? How are you going to do this? I don't understand what's going on. I know what we ought to do. And in the word of God, it shows us what we ought to do. Throughout the word of God in the New Testament, there's this little word ought throughout the Bible. I don't want to go through all of them because we'll be here all night, but there are some that I think that we need to get a hold of and say, Lord, uh, you're showing me in the Word of God what I ought to be doing. I shouldn't be running around scared. I shouldn't be running around afraid. I shouldn't be wringing my hands. I know what I ought to be doing and do what I know to do. Look at Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Verse number one, that little word ought, and we need to get a hold of this. Now, I won't keep you long tonight, but I want to get this into our minds and get set in our minds that we need to stop saying what to do, how to do it. God has already told us what we need to be doing, even in the times that we're living in, even in the times that we're facing the sinful times, perilous times, and we know that we're living in the last days. So what in the world should I ought to be doing? And first he said in Luke 18, verse 1, And he spake the parable unto them to this end, that men, men ought always to pray and not faint. So we ought to be praying tonight. If what we're facing today, if what this country is facing, if it does not wake us up and put us to our needs, I don't know what will. If we don't learn to depend on God, nothing else will prevail in our life. And I still believe in 2020 that God still answers prayers. That's why I pray, Lord, in your will to move this virus out, you can do that. Bring our fellowship back. But I believe in the midst of this pandemic, God still answers prayers. But the problem I find that we're not praying what we like we should have been praying. We're praying, God, this, God, that, I need this, I need that. I have never seen my life where people are praying for food, where people are praying for toilet paper, people are praying for all kinds of things. We ought to just be praying for God, have God intervene in our life, and God to show us what we need to be doing. He said, men ought to always be praying. Don't ever stop praying. Don't give up praying. Always pray, and don't faint. Don't say it's not doing any good. Don't say I'm not working out. But God said pray and pray always without ceasing. We ought to be praying. And I believe that we pray to God to get a hold of us and we get a hold of God. God will fill us with the power that we need that we can make it through this time that we're living in today. We need people to have understanding in the times we live, but men ought to be praying. You know, America's is best when America's on its knees. 
I, I find that in the old days uh, when America was serving God and, and worshiping God and praying God and God delivered them, God helped them, God healed them. But I find today that our people are not getting on their knees and praying anymore. Not even in the church, Christians are not praying the way they should be praying. America stands the tallest when it's on its knees. Can I say Christians stand the tallest when they're on their knees? I'm not ashamed to acknowledge that I am a child of God and understand that God's will is going to be done. And God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, I'm not ashamed to say that I belong to them. Have an understanding of the times and realize it's time to pray. And get a hold of God and let God get a hold of us. He said, men ought to always pray without fainting. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 1. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ that you as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God so you should, would abound more and more. So what should we be doing in the times that we're living in, in these uncertain times, in this perilous time and sinful time? And we ought to be praying uh, and always be praying, but you ought to. Our walk ought to be according to the word of God and not ourselves. We're letting the world dictate to us how we should act, where we should go, where we can't go. We're starting to fall in line with the world. But the Bible says we ought to walk and to please God. Amen. We should walk to please God. And not only should we walk to please God in our life, in the way of we are living, but God wants us to live according, in the conduct of our life according to the word of God. The way God wants us to conduct ourselves, the way God showed us in his words how we're to live. The many say when it's all said and done, the only one you need to please is please God. We try to please everybody else. We try to lift up the standards of everybody else. But when it's all said and done, you need to make sure that your life is pleasing to God. Your, your acknowledgement is pleasing to God. You, you acknowledge who God is and your walk is pleasing to God. Can I say I'm satisfied with Jesus? I'm satisfied with the Father. I'm satisfied with the Holy Spirit. His grace, His salvation, His, His mercy. I'm satisfied with that. But more, more important, I want him to be satisfied with me. If I'm work, walking in the world according to the world, I'm not satisfying my father. I'm not pleasing my father. I've got to walk according to the word of God. I've got to live my life according to the word of God in order to please God. So I need to get into the word. What should we be doing in these times that we're living in? We ought to be praying without fainting. And we ought to be walking to please God in the time we live in. We're living in a society today that's just to care about self. And you, that's more evident than we've ever seen before. You, can I say this? A crisis will bring out either the worst in you 
or the best in you. It'll either bring out the devil in you or bring out the heaven in you. I've seen a lot of devils down at the store. Amen. That's all about me. It's all about me. They run and push you out of the way to get the last pack of toilet paper. Amen. They'll do that. But we ought to be just saying, Lord, whatever you want me to do. 1 John 4 and 11. We ought to be praying. We ought to be walking to please God. We also, he said, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. But in this society, it's hard to do. In the society that we live in, in the conditions that we live in, in this crisis of time, uh, people is all about self and, uh, and they don't want to love anybody. We ought to just say, you know what, Lord, uh, if they want it, let them have it. We ought to love one another. We've seen what a crisis can do to bring out the worst in people. But as a Christian, a crisis ought to bring out more of God in you than anything else. As a Christian, we ought to show love. We ought to show kindness to those that are around us. I understand it's hard. I understand they're pushing and shoving and yelling and screaming. Let me tell you what. But as a Christian, we ought to show love no matter what. We got hoarders today. I read a story the other day. It said in the year 2025, man went to his closet and opened up the door. And he says he pulled out the last pack of toilet paper that his family bought in, 19, in 2020. If you've got five years worth of toilet paper, may a thousand fleas be in your armpit tonight. I'm telling you, we, we hoard things. Uh, you go to the store. I just came from the store. You walk around. The shelves are empty. There's nothing there. And I, and I made this comment. The day before the pandemic hit, the store was plumb full of stuff. At what time, in what place, did somebody get an idea that something was going on and ran to the store and bought up all the toilet paper, all the bread, and everything else? Somebody had a forewarning. Hey, I need toilet paper. I need bread. Meat is gone. There's nothing there. We got hoarders. We got people that, that get angry over little things now. Because this, this crisis that we're living in, it brings out the worst in people if they don't know Jesus. If they're not bought by the blood, it brings out the worst in But that's where you come in, even though they're, they're yelling at you and screaming at you, pointing your finger at you, you ought to just say, God loves you. The love of God ought to be brought out of you more even in the crisis that we live in. We ought to love one another. We ought to love our brother and sisters in Christ. Hey, when somebody needs something, hey, the church ought to come together and say, hey, we, we got somebody in need, let's feel that need. But we ought to love the world too because they need what you've got, the love of God. And maybe, and maybe if we can stand tall and let the, the love of God show in this world, let the love of God be have brought out of us, maybe in the next crisis, 
they'll have the love of God in them instead of the world. So in, in the times that we're living in, this understanding of the times and this pandemic, this crisis that we're living in, we need people to have an understanding of what's going on. And we, we don't know what to do. And the people are running around, they scared. I don't know what to do. But the Bible tells Christians what we ought to be doing. We ought to be praying. Amen. I invite you to pray. Amen. I invite you to start praying for the world and our leaders. And not just for self. Amen. But pray. And our walk ought to be pleasing to God. But not only should our walk be pleasing to God. It ought to be the world can see our walk and see God in our walk. Amen. If you're down at Walmart doing the exact same thing the world is, and you're trying to win somebody, I'd hate to see you down there running and pushing and shoving to get the last pack of toilet paper and then try to hand somebody a track and invite them to church. What church do you go to? I certainly want to visit that one, don't I? For the love of God, we can show it. We ought to love one another. I mean, it's, it's, we're living in a sad time. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 1. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 1. What should we ought to be doing? <coughs> Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, we ought to give the most more earnest heed to the one things which you have heard, lest any time we should let them slip. Not only do we need to be praying, not only do we need to be pleasing God in our walk and loving one another, but we ought to be holding to the things that are dear to us in our life, the Word of God. We cannot let the Word of God slip away from us in the crisis that we're going through. It's easy to get cold and indifferent in the time that we're living through. We've talked about that over and over. Those that were hanging on the fence, those who were spraddle the fence, and this time that we see, they might not come back to church because they, they find that, hey, I can do things on Sunday. I don't have to go to church. We're letting things slip away that we should not let slip away. You need to hold on to those things. God has not allowed us to go through this to make us a worse Christian. But make us a better Christian. Not an unfaithful Christian, but more faithful Christian. God is not going to see us through this. God is not only going to bring us through it. And we'll have more of him. He doesn't want you to go through a crisis and have less of him, but he wants you to have more of him. <coughs> and in this crisis, we can get closer to God, closer to God. We ought to hang on to those things and don't let them be slipping away. Don't let them pull away. Hold on to those things. The word of God. <coughs> Second Peter, chapter 3. The things that we ought to be doing. Verse number 1. Seeing then all these things that shall be dissolved. 
What manner of person ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God. Wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the earth shall melt with fervor and heat. Nevertheless, we according to his promise to look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein to well righteousness. He's talking about the the uh, destruction of the earth. He's talking about the coming of, of God, uh, his, his son. He's talking about the last days. He's preparing ourselves for those things that are going to happen. When I was younger, and I've heard some good preachers when I was younger, and I heard them preach about all these things. I, I heard one, I remember one time a preacher talking about the two witnesses. And then he said, the whole world is going to see them Rise up. Now, for a nine-year-old kid, that's hard to understand. Especially when all you had was a little bitty black TV with a little round picture on it. And you had two rabbit ears up there and you had that Reynolds foil wrapped on it trying to get a better set. And you had pliers that turned the channel to the three channels you did get. And I'm thinking out that preacher said, hey, the world's going to see it. That's not, that's not possible. But today... That's today, with the technology we have, that's possible. That's possible. We need to prepare ourselves. We need to be looking for the coming of Christ because he's coming back. We need to look for that. He, he talked about the two witnesses, and he talked about uh, uh, those three and a half years and, and the sitting there. Then he talked about the uh, Antichrist. And I, I think about how can one person deceive a world? Back then it was not possible, but today with this pandemic going on, this virus running on, and, and don't get me wrong, now I've, read, I've been reading some stuff that will scare people, and I've had people call me up saying, do you think this is it? Do you think we're going through this? I said, brother, just hold on, just hold on. But I don't understand how somebody for three and a half years says, come to me, I've got the answer, I've got the solution. And they come to him willingly and give themselves and they fall in. And for the next three and a half years, all it is destruction and killing. We, we, our eyes need to fix on this. He's coming back. He says the signs of the times there, you'll know it there, is coming. And let me just say, we ought to be looking up and saying, Jesus, come back quickly. Even so, Jesus. And we know that he's coming back. And if we know he's coming back, don't get caught up in this world. Don't get caught up in what they want to do. Do what Jesus wants us to do. Keep our eyes fixed on heaven. The Bible says, look up your redemption, draw nigh. We're closer today than we've ever been before. You say, well, they've been preaching that for years. I understand they've been preaching that for years. It's in the Bible, so everybody's preached that one time or another. We're closer today than we've ever been before. But you look at the signs of the time. We've got more signs of the time today than we've ever had before. Look at the sinful world that we live in. Look at all this junk that's going on in this world today. And proud and boast about it. I'd be worried right now. I've fixed my eyes on the heavens. Lord, I'm ready. 
I'm ready. Bible tells us this world's going to be burnt with fever and heat. It's going to be destroyed. You say, well, how in the world? As a kid, it was hard to understand. I couldn't figure out how in the world this world's going to be burnt. I'm, you know, I'm looking at my planet here, and I'm thinking as a kid, that's not, the day, that's not so hard. Amen. We've got a threat of nuclear war everywhere we turn around. Countries that should not have nuclear capabilities got nuclear capabilities. You're talking about a ball of fire coming at you. That's a ball of fire. I can understand that, but you know what? I'm not going to fixate on the things that's going on in this world. I'm not going to look and be afraid of what's going on in this world. I can see the signs of the time. I have an understanding of the times. I'm just going to do what the Bible has told me to do. I'm going to pray and I'm going to keep walking for God. I'm going to keep loving people. I'm just going to keep fixing myself on the Lord and I'm going to keep looking for Him to come back. So in this pandemic, in this vice virus crisis that we're going through, what should we be doing? The same thing we've been always doing. Loving God, serving God, and witnessing for God. We should not be changing our walk. We should not be changing our talk. I understand that we can't come together as fellowship as a whole church, but it should not change who we are. You could be sitting at home you're still a Christian. You still can witness. You still pray. Your walk is still the same walk. You still love God the same way. What ought we should be doing? Just do what the Bible says. We ought to be living and looking for the day of the coming of the Lord. The peacemaker is coming soon. What a time that we live in. We, we have the greatest ability and time that we live in today to witness for Christ. There are actually people out there afraid. They don't understand. They're confused. They're worried. And they need some Christian to stand up and say, I've got the answer for you. You may be worrying, you may be afraid, you may uh, be uncertain, but let me just tell you, there is a place that I can show you in the Bible that says, don't worry. Amen. Jesus, I've done it all. Amen. He says, I've overcome the world, and we shouldn't fear. That's why I love fear not in the Bible. It's 365, and we've got a fear not for every day in our lives. You say, what I want, when I use them up, you know, start right back over again. Fear not, fear not. We should not be running around here afraid of what we're going through. We ought to do what the Bible said to do. We ought to walk according to the Bible said to walk. We ought to love the way the Bible said we ought to love. It, this pandemic should not change who we are. We're bought by the blood on the way to heaven. That does not change. The situation may change, but God changes not. So let's do what the Bible said to do. We pray. We need to pray for our leaders that they have a understanding of the times and of what's going on in this world. But we need for our leaders to get on their knees and get a hold of God and let God get a hold of them. We need Christians today to get on their knees and let God get a hold of them and them get a hold of God. And if we do that, we do that, 
God will make everything away. He'll wipe everything clean. But I'm not going to take my eyes off that he's coming back. He's coming back. I'm looking forward to that day. He's coming.